Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cool Zone Media. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Answer Your Questions instead of doing other cool stuff, a podcast that's normally called Cool People Do Cool Stuff, but today is called Cool People Who Answer Questions Instead of Doing Other Cool Stuff. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and with me today, answering questions, is Sophie. Hi, Sophie. You look so cool right now. Margaret's standing while she's recording, and so she just looks really cool. That's because I'm, like, really fit, you know? You're so fit. So fit. Yeah. And I'm yeah. and I'm like slouched. I have like a I'm wearing like all black and I'm like definitely slouched over looking very, very uncool. I have a rule where I can stand for a like one episode recording, but I cannot stand for a two episode oh, recording. That's the un, it's yeah. actually yeah, I respect that. I think yeah. it's I think it's I think that would OSHA be, violation. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. say I feel like legally that is correct. Yeah. So oh, I forgot to introduce everyone else. Our audio engineer is, of course, Ian. Nope. What? Nope. What? Nope. Where did Ian go? Oh, Ian's still here. Oh, okay, good. Ian's still here. Ian and Daniel did like a, like a Freaky Friday, except or like uh, a face off, like a face off, and uh, ha- have swapped editing duties, and so now the editor of this podcast is one DJ Daniel. <laughs> Hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Everybody everyone has to say to hi, hi Daniel. Yeah, because you're. This is the first time. So everyone, if you're listening, you have to say hi, Daniel. Our theme music was still written by One Woman, right? That hasn't. That, that, that hasn't changed. That has not changed, and that okay. will never change because that song is a banger. <laughs> right. Unless there's a DJ Daniel remix of the song. Oh my gosh, I would listen to that. Daniel's so talented. Yeah. yeah. No, I really like the music that everyone produces for for Cool Zone. So. This is, you all have probably figured out because it's Wednesday and not Monday, that this is not a regular episode. That's why the title has changed. Because this is a Q&A thing that we do once a year at the beginning of the year until the heat death of the universe. So that's where we asked your questions on social media and 
it was annoying. Not big y'all's questions were fine, but we had to go onto social media to do it. And that was the <laughs> part. Um, I like to pretend like I've quit Twitter and it is uh, demonstrably false. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I was going to say every time you say it and then, and then <laughs> I see you on there, I'm like, I oh, know there she is. The big fat liar, 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 pants on fire. <laughs> yeah. Aspirationally and aspirationally quit. Twitter user, me. But yeah, we have questions and we're going to answer them. And you know what we we, we noticed mm-hmm. um, was that the, and this is very representative of how much of a terrible place Twitter is, the questions on Instagram were just better. <laughs> yeah. There's some good ones on Twitter. If you asked yes. a question on Twitter, it's not inherently it's, bad. No. But overall, overall the quality. Quality. Way better on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. But let, let, let's let's get started. All right. I am going to be asking the questions because that is my role today. Magpie, mm-hmm. you talk a lot about the value of community. Do you have any advice for people who don't feel like they belong anywhere or who really struggle to find the community and be accepted? Okay, so I sort of love this question. It's a great uh, question. Because it's a really important question. And also... I do. I talk a lot about community. I talk a lot both in the history podcast and I also do a preparedness podcast called Live Like the World is Dying where I talk about community preparedness. I am an introvert. I am a pretty hard introvert. On the average day, I see zero humans. I live in the woods. Uh, my best friend is a dog who's 45 pounds. I can do squats with him. At about eight, he gets really annoyed. Again, um, just bragging about how unbelievably fit you are. That's right. That's right. It's totally not that I can't do more squats. It's that my dog gets upset. So I think about this question a lot, right? Because community mm-hmm. does matter. But like people tend to think of community as like the realm of the extroverts. And the realm of the extroverts is a scary place where people expect you to dance in front of people. But that's not the only way to have community. And It's hard because there is some degree of putting yourself out there that's necessary. I would say that primarily when people are struggling to find ways to connect, I would say overall prioritize connecting with people in real life rather than connecting with people just over uh, the internet and especially over social media. Um, I think that face-to-face interactions have like a sort of built-in accountability. Like the kind of shit people say to you on the internet is a lot meaner than what people usually say to you in person like obviously people say mean things in person right but like no one's like you know people have a little bit of a like like when you're within punching distance like people act a little bit more politely right go places for common interests and i think that activism is actually a really good way to do this and one of the ways to get involved in activism is to think about the specific problems that you are excited about addressing that feel like the most pressing to you, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it is the current movement that is really, really big. Like, I mean, while we're listening to it, right, like a Palestinian liberation movement and solidarity movement is a very big thing, right? But also figuring out specifically, like, what strengths you bring to that kind of thing, right? If you're an artist, you might be bringing like, hey, I'll draw flyers, right? Or I'll take notes at meetings or I'll volunteer in the kitchen. You know, if you like go to a party and everything sucks and you don't know how to interact with anyone, you just like go find the snacks and you hang out by the snacks. And then you talk to the other introvert who's hanging out by the snacks. Mm-hmm. Or you find the one dog at the party. Oh, yeah. No, that's yes, the best. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the other person who only wants to hang out with the, dog, with the dog, you can end up having a conversation with. Yeah. Um, or you just hang out with a dog and then it's like all win-win. Yes. And 
you can do this by volunteering at like gatherings, right? If you show up and you're like, how can I help? And then you're like, oh, we totally need someone to uh, pour coffee, right? And then you're like, great, I have a purpose. And for us introverts, it is really useful to have a purpose in social gatherings. I really like tabling. I actually really like presenting as part of my introversion. I'm a weird outgoing introvert. But like... You're an ambivert. Yeah, I'm like a... I'm an ambivert. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me, yeah. actually. And so if I have a purpose, I'm good. And I, I really recommend it. You do have to go out and meet people yeah, um, in order to have community. But you don't have to, like, go out all the time and meet people. You can go to, yeah. like, three parties and then be done. Or, like, go to a couple activist meetings, figure out how you plug in, and then kind of sit back a little bit. And, like, the, and if you're an extrovert, your job is to make sure that all the introverts are still wrangled and still, like, connected. And, like, reach out to them every now and then be like, hey, like... We're putting together, I'm using this artist as an example, but like, hey, we're, we need a new flyer. Like, are you available? Can you do this thing? You know? And then the other thing that I talk about a lot is just like literally know your actual physical neighbors if you can. Um, this is going to be very different in very different places. I'm not saying become friends with your neighbors, but like know who they are and like figure out how much you can trust them and stuff. Because sometimes community is literally just who's around you. Mm-hmm. And I actually think introverts have another advantage in this where like, I'm not super caught up on who's mad at who or what, who's dating whom and blah, blah, blah. And I don't give a shit, yeah. you know, because I don't care. And so that's great. So then I can still sort of be friends with everyone. Sure. I mean, obviously, like when one person's like a horrible piece of shit, it's worth knowing about. Right. But yeah. Can I add one thought to it? Yeah. And it's something that I say all the time to people, but like support your friends and their weird hobbies. Mm-hmm. I think supporting your friends and their weird hobbies they will support you in your weird hobbies. And then organically, community will happen. Yeah, totally. And if you're like, hey, I like this weird thing. Are people going to think I'm weird? No, because there's other weird people who like that weird thing. And it's normal. And it's cool. Yeah. And that's good. And then you have your community. Yeah. And if people don't think that the weird thing you're into is cool, if they're just not into it, that's fine. But if they think it sucks, then like, well, fuck them. Well, fuck them. Yeah. yeah, that's the other. That's the other thing that you definitely um, will learn is like, well, fuck them is totally okay. Yeah, other people aren't better than you. Whoever you're listening to, other people aren't better than you. Well, there's some people. I guess Hitler's dead, but like you know, everyone's better than Elon <laughs> Musk. If you ever like thinking to yourself like, oh, I suck, just be like, you're not Elon Musk. You're doing better than somebody. You know, <laughs> in terms of being a, a person. Yeah. You ready for the next one? Yeah, I'm born ready. <laughs> yeah, because you're just so fit. It's my it's my favorite thing is how <laughs> Morgan's, <laughs> Morgan's doing squats. Um, <laughs> Magpie, are there cases where you started researching and had to drop them as a subject because you learned bad things about them? Okay, so I've had moments where I would have, but I work on a really tight deadline. <laughs> And so sure. what I usually end up doing is like if the if the core character is actually kind of a piece of garbage, I shift the story to be around the larger social movement. And I try to do that anyway on the sure. show. Like in every now and then it's about individuals, but usually it's about um larger social movements where I focus on individuals. And then like what happens instead is that there's people I try to avoid. Like I did not want to talk about Margaret Sanger, right? Who's the founder of Planned Parenthood, is a eugenicist who used to be an anarchist who it is more complicated than anyone wants to sure. get into. I don't want to get into it. I don't even want to get into it right now. But I was like doing something on early birth control advocates. And I'm like, you know, 
time to talk about how messy that is because all these motherfuckers are into eugenics. <laughs> you know? So just do messy shit. I don't know. Yeah, figure it out. What has been the most pleasant surprise you've encountered in researching and presenting any topic on the show? Oh, God. I, I don't know if I can come up with an example off the top of my head, but I really like when historical men turn out to like be wife guys. Oh That's my like God, my it's favorite so thing. Fun. It's yeah. so fun because, you know, in, in reality, the only wife guys that exist are <laughs> James Stout and Daniel Goodman in my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love you, Daniel. <laughs> but it's really fun when they show up in history and you're like, oh man, these could be our guys one day. <laughs> Yeah, totally. You do good. Just people who just like <laughs> genuinely are just like really into supporting the women. If, if you're like a straight guy and you're really into supporting the women who are close to you in your life. Yeah. That's fucking great. And I wish that wasn't the exception. And I'm proud of everyone who's working to make it not the exception. But that's what I get excited about. When men meet a minimum bar that I didn't expect them to. I, I think there's another thing that that like when you figure out that you have like a connection, like one person removed to somebody in a story, you get really excited. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. You get really excited. I'm gonna ask the frog question because I've been hold I've been holding out on the frog question. Somebody asked uh, okay. somebody asked on Twitter if we had favorite frogs, and we're, we're gonna go to a quick break after this. But I think that we should answer the frog question first, Margaret. I think we no, you should go first. Okay, you have a stronger answer. I have a stronger answer, and I'm very excited about this. I am now a frog boy mom which is something that I'm very excited about. My mom got me a gift of two African dwarf frogs and they're awesome and they jumpy and they're in their little tank that's like got rainbow rocks. So they're already just being prideful, which is nice. We're raising them right from the start and they are adorable. (laughs) No Alex Jones gay frogs. They're just starting out. It's not the water turning them gay. you've ever said to me I'm, I'm gonna think that every time i look at them thank you so much but they're amazing and i've met them and uh and and my mom won't let me take them back home to my house until after christmas which is such a mom thing to oh do oh my god that's but amazing I, but i visited them and i've properly named them and there's one that's like small with like a little head and his name is stanley tucci and then there's one that's long and skinny and lengthy, and his name is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or the captain. Hell yeah. And I love them, and African dwarf frogs are now my favorite frogs. So if you know anything about African dwarf frogs, please message me. I would like to know. Hell yeah. Margaret? Okay, my favorite frogs currently are the concrete frogs that I'm going to give my father for Christmas. And this episode comes oh, out after yeah. Christmas, so I can say it. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting them from the uh, cursed concrete animal store is there uh, a cursed concrete it's, it's one of those stores that sells like the giant like like statues of like animals is it one of those yeah like like you go up and there's like a, a concrete sasquatch next to a yes. concrete kneeling soldier in front of yes. a cross next to yes a, oh i know exactly what you're talking about yeah the first time i ever went there i bought a raccoon i like don't believe the story i'm about to tell not that it like didn't happen, but the like supernatural part of it is just like it fucks in my head. But okay, so I I bought this raccoon, this like squat raccoon statue as soon as I moved into my house. And I was like, and I would put it in my truck and I was driving home on backcountry roads where I live. And I had never hit and killed an animal in my vehicle in my life. And for the like five miles that I had this raccoon statue in my truck, I hit and killed a raccoon. Oh. 
and then I, you know, I took it out to the woods and stuff, and I kind of think its spirit is now in the fucking cursed statue that protects my house. And if I had known, I wouldn't have done it. This answer got weirder and weirder. I wouldn't have done it, raccoon. Somebody just wanted to know what your favorite frog was, and now we got raccoon spirits in a statue. And if that's not Margaret fucking Killjoy, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and if you want a cursed statue, buy them from the Monkey Paw store, which is our primary sponsor these days. Uh, is it? Yeah, I think so. Isn't the know. Monkey Paw store? Well, every goods and services is like a weird, horrible exchange. You know, yeah. there's a terrible price. Like if you want a good or service, you have to work at a job. It's a terrible price. It's the it's curse. It's the, it's the curse. And because a lot of people asked this uh, when we did the It Could Happen Here Q&A, and I saw a couple people ask it for the cool people Q&A, I am desperately trying to get the Android ad-free version up and running. It is not something that I can just click and say yes. Like, we've said yes on our end. We're just waiting on corporate bureaucracy to figure itself out. But yeah. I'm hoping to have it soon because, I, I, yeah, I mean, I would love that. Yeah, it's not brand loyalty on our part. It's for sure not brand loyalty on our part. And one of the main things that I wanted to do with this Android version is also make it so that, you know, it, it's something that can be used on any any app you, you use already. And it's not something where you're just doing it on one thing. So hopefully that is coming very, very soon. And uh, we have good news for you on that. Yeah. In 2024 and early. In the meantime... There's that press 15 seconds button waiting for you now. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. 
It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Woo! And uh, somebody asked us to list our top five fruits and vegetables. And like, that's a lot. So maybe give me your favorite fruit and your favorite vegetable, and I'll give you my favorite fruit and favorite vegetable. Okay. Uh, I'm going to come out confrontational. Uh, Whoa. Green green peppers, my favorite vegetable. Okay. Why is that green, controversial? Green bell peppers. No, as soon as I said I like green bell peppers, Twitter got mad at me. Oh. In kind of a like classic, why do you hate waffles kind of way. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shut the fuck up. I love green bell peppers. They're they're the most when I'm like, man, I need the taste of a vegetable. Nothing is vegetable like a green bell pepper. And my favorite fruit, uh, I, I'm currently drying a bunch of apples. I live in like apple apples land. Are, apples are great. So I've been really into dehydrating apples. I think for me, I have ties in both categories. So you're going to get four because All I, right. All I right. simply cannot pick. And my top vegetables, I think it's a tie between asparagus and brussels sprouts oh those are good yeah my brother has a really awesome uh roasted brussels sprouts recipe where you know you just roast the brussels sprouts for about 25 minutes flip one once and it's just olive oil and a little bit of sea salt and then you mix them up with some uh red wine vinegar a little bit of balsamic a little bit of olive oil a little bit of garlic and some Dijon, lightly mix it up, and it is perfection. Okay, see, I, I almost want to change my answer because what I said didn't make me hungry, but what you just said made me hungry, so. Fair enough, fair enough. And then my top two fruits are definitely, as you just said, the apple, because, mm -hmm. wow, I specifically really like Cosmic Crisp apples. And then blackberries. Oh, my God. Oh, so good. What an awesome fruit, and they're so easy to grow i mean they'll take over your entire fuck they took yeah, over oregon they took over all of oregon but blackberries yeah. are fucking delicious yeah i saw a variety of this question several different times and this person also also i loved the muhammad ali episodes thank you 
cool. Fuck those yeah. were great episodes. Those were act- those that I th- was that the one that Ian suggested us. Yeah, that do? was a request from Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Ian. Um, who is your hero? Whew. It's a hard question. I would say probably Eric Omelatesta, who I have not covered on the show, but he shows up all the time. He's this Italian anarchist who once smuggled himself in a crate full of uh, sewing machines to get to Brazil in order to write the how to organize a union by bakers. That's like one of them. And then the one that's like more direct and more impactful in my life is Ursula Le Guin. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked your your favorite book of Ursula's also. Oh, okay. Fuck. I mean, I've read The Dispossessed the most, but I think that probably a book of her short stories called Arsinian Tales. Uh, I have like a real love for her short fiction and it like stays in my mind really well. Um, and she just probably has like more influence on me artistically than anyone else. What about you? I I don't really want to answer this one because I don't think I have like one person that I'm like, this is yeah. my personal hero that I want that that I could pick. I also think that, um, I don't know, humans maybe aren't meant to be heroes. Totally. Part of the reason I haven't done a Malatest episode yet. What if he sucked? I don't know. No one ever talks about his family, you know? Like, you know, it's that. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. There was a great question from somebody that said, out of all the people you've talked about, who do you think your dog would have loved to meet? <laughs> Everyone who is reasonably short. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so real. It's he loves so real. all of them. And the only way to get away with being a large person with my dog is being really into dogs. Yeah. So whoever likes dogs the most, my dog just loves dog people and gets so confused by anyone who isn't as excited as he is. Yeah. um, For me, I think that Anderson would have liked to have met uh, the riot dog, El Negro Matapacos. Oh, fuck. No, you're totally right. Oh, (laughs) I didn't even think of the dogs. Yeah. (laughs) The one that the 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 all black dog with the red bandana. Anderson's a bandana girl herself. Yeah, and I think they would have had fun patrolling the humans. Yeah. Oh, this is a great question. How do you explain anarchism to people who are skeptical about it? Okay, that's both a great question and also like one of the weird hardest questions. It really kind of depends on where someone's coming out about it. A lot of it for me is that I'm like, well, what if we took the best parts of both caring for the individual and caring for the community? And put them together. And what if the main argument that people had in the 20th century between like capitalism and communism, the individual versus the community, like what if they're both right and they're both wrong? And one of the main things I I start with is that anarchism isn't what you got told it is. You know, it's an existing social movement and concept that's been around for 150 years that has practitioners of all different types and ideas. And yeah, I don't know. It's so funny because it's like such a you're like, it's the ideology that's not an ideology. It's the, you know, oh God, that was my broadcaster voice. Um, yeah, I heard it. I <laughs> my advertiser it. voice. Yeah, I don't know. You know, because I try not to like convince people to go become anarchists or whatever, right? I just like want people to like learn that it's not what they got told it is. That's a great answer. How do you feel about co-ops? I love co-ops. Is there like a context? Is it just like... The person said, tell us how you feel about co-ops. I very recently worked for a nonprofit that helps finance worker cooperatives. And the way I feel about 
like grocery store co-ops is like more complicated. And if you want to hear my hearing thoughts about that, you can listen to our episode that we did with author Renarai, where they explained food cooperatives and their complicated history. I think it's a very useful way to engage as anti-capitalists in a market economy um, and subvert a lot of expectations around it. And also a lot of the work that's been done by cooperatives comes from racialized people and especially black communities in the United States. And there's like all kinds of work that people have been doing around like how to stop economic extraction from um, impoverished areas. And I think we have a lot to learn. I Nothing has taught me more about how capitalism works than working for a place that finances worker cooperatives in a in a good way. Do you have a favorite person you've covered this year? I love all my children equally. I <laughs> when people ask me this, it's like when people like ask me what my favorite book is, my first thought is I've never read a book. What is a book? You know? Yeah. Or like who's your favorite band? I'm like, I've never heard of music. I, I don't yeah. know. All I don't know what I've done as soon as someone asks me that. I completely <laughs> agree. Do you have a favorite bird? I love all these animal questions. These are great. Probably magpies. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah. I like picked them as my name, you know? Yeah. What about you? What's your favorite bird? I just like birds. I yeah. I, I, I definitely have a bird feeder in yeah. my yard, and I like when they come and eat the food. I've had a lot of hummingbirds over by my desk oh, lately, nice. and that's been nice to look at. But... I like all birds. My brother is like terrified of birds, which, you know, makes me happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a bird feeder right outside my office window. And, yeah, I know. I uh, see it. Well, that's the that's the hummingbird feeder and there's no hummingbirds yeah, here. It was, a, it was a terrible plan. But on the oh. other window, you can't see it from here. There's a, um, a bird feeder that it took the birds like a month to find as soon as they found it. Now they're like constantly there. And it's all these yeah. tufted titmouses. And... I'm super excited about it. I had to ask my friend. Um, whenever on this show, I like secretly talk about like, I had to ask my friend this thing. It's always the same friend. So if you're listening, hi, uh, thanks for telling me it was a tough to tit titmouse. Yeah. Um, we're going to take another quick break, but we oh. shall we shall be back. Uh, we're taking a break for, for what? For, for um, capitalism or for pressing the... 15 second, second skip button, or for those uh, who uh, have the Cooler, Cooler Zone Media subscription on Apple, or um, literally nothing, and we're back. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. 
I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Welcome and we're back, back. <laughs> that was really fun um <laughs> I think I saw this a couple of times, but um, what what is your what is your research and planning and writing process like for an episode? And I also saw it for when you're ready to write like a short story. Oh, OK. That's fiction, a fiction short story. Yeah. So with an episode, I somewhere around the end of the week, shortly after recording the last episode, or I plan them out ahead of time. Sometimes I plan them out way ahead of time. I kind of match them a little bit to the guest. I don't tell the guest what it's about, but I try to find something that the guest doesn't know as much as me about or doesn't know as much as I'm about to learn about, but has a general interest in or like a broader context of understanding, like, a, you know, whether shared identity or whether like knows some people who are involved in similar struggles or whatever thing. And so I, I pick a subject. Honestly, these days I mostly go to my bookshelf and I find because I, I just I just buy fuck tons of history books and uh, I go to my bookshelf and I kind of have like a running list of things that I'm excited about. And then I'll usually take a book or two as kind of my first and primary source. But then I'm really interested in filling in lots of context and stuff like that. And so often 
I mean, frankly, one of the things I do for research is I'll start on Wikipedia, but I don't end there. I look into the sources that inspire the Wikipedia. And then I also end up looking at but a lot of academic articles. And I just kind of like slowly piece it together. I, I, I usually take about the first day of work just to hear how people usually tell the story and then think about how I want to tell the story and get all the pieces. And then I start filling it in. And I also take notes as I write. And then by the third or fourth day, I'm usually mostly writing and going back and putting all the pieces together. And I don't know. That's how I do it. I, I have no academic training or background, so it's been an interesting... I have a lot of writing background, and I have a lot of research background, and his, even background with history, but I don't have a background specifically in the like formal way of like collecting all the sources and researching and stuff, you know? And so I've been like hitting up friends who do have more of that experience. Short stories, I do have more formal education with, and I've kind of exploding head diagrammed, gone back and forth between whether or not I outline extensively or not. Mm-hmm. I started off like never outlining. I'm like, oh, I'm just writing a story. And then like, why do all my stories fail? And someone was like, that's because you don't outline them. You don't know what's going to happen, you know? And so then I started writing uh, more from outlines and I use a lot of um, specific, not formulas, but like structures for stories. Uh, my favorite one is the try-fail sequence. And then I write a story and then it, I let it change the outline as I go, as I learn more about the characters. Um, and then honestly, these days, I think I'm a, a practiced enough writer that sometimes I'm back to just being like, I got an idea. I got like a character and what's wrong and where they are. And then I just write it. And then I do a second draft. I don't follow a lot of what Heinlein, Robert Heinlein had to say, but I follow Heinlein's rules of writing and any uh, aspiring fiction writer, I highly, or even artist in general, I highly recommend looking up Heinlein's rules of writing, which is very much about like starting things, finishing things and not getting caught up revising the shit out of everything. And I actually think that that's helped me a lot to tie it back into the podcast with the fact that I do a weekly podcast is that I like cannot really sit around with revisions over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have to learn to get things right the first time and accept that sometimes I won't get things right. I mean, I've always right. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Do you have a dream guest for this podcast? Depends on how good of a Ouija board I can figure I was going to say the ghost of Emma Goldman. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That's the reverse episode I want. I immediately want ghost also. <laughs> yeah. I've had most of my dream guests on this show. Yeah. Um, for me, like, I mean, sometimes you can kind of tell, like, I'm a big Mountain Goats fan. So having John Darnell on and talking about the levelers and the ranters and the English Civil War and then arguing about theology and politics with John Darnell was like really nice for me, you know? But no, I mean, my dream guests are the ones that are easy to work with and smart and funny. And like, I'm not worried that they're going to be like scared off by the radical politics of the show. But I also don't think that they're going to be so purely invested in radical culture that the average listener has no fucking clue what we're talking about, you know? Like, the the perfect guest bridges the history from my script to the reader. Great answer. Thanks, thanks. How did we meet? How did we meet? Through Robert Evans. Yeah, through Robert Evans, I believe, yeah. Yeah. I guess probably the first time I met you is uh, guesting on... Well, we probably talked... By email first 
but wow. um, when I guested on Behind the Bastards for the first time several years ago. Uh-huh. I think that's right. Yeah. And then in person, just in whatever mysterious place we live that happened to be the same at the same time. Yep. Do you have a favorite Rintraw story from this year? Hmm. It's funny because, like, Rintraw, like, I think about how, like, when I was younger, I had all these stories because all this crazy shit kept happening to me, right? And, like, bad yeah. stuff happened all the time. I live a very low-key life, so most of my Rintraw stories are, like, you wouldn't believe the nerve a truck drove by today. Or, like, you know, mm-hmm. when Rintraw... Okay, here's my favorite Rintraw story from this year. I was staying at my friend's cabin and my friend in, in on the West Coast, and my friend was like, oh, the cabin's haunted, just as a heads up. And again, I kind of don't believe a lot of this stuff. And then as I'm like hanging out outside, this like other person from like the cabin neighborhood walked by and was like, oh, you're staying there. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you don't go into that one room upstairs, right? And I'm like, "Uh, no, which room? And then I like, and then I stay in the cabin by myself, just me and Rintraw because my friend leaves and I'm, you know, there for a week or whatever, just me and my dog in this cabin in the woods. And, um, and it's like mostly fine, but I kind of a little bit like I don't watch horror movies that week and I kind of like don't really leave the bedroom in the middle of the night, you know? Yeah, fair And then w- one night I'm like up anyway and so I'm in the main part of the cabin and um, uh, Rintraw just goes over to this rocking chair in one of these rooms and just starts fucking alerting hardcore at this empty rocking chair in the middle of the night in the supposedly haunted cabin. And I'm like, that's cool. Everything's fine. Rintra That's my favorite Rintra story. Yeah. And then I died and now I'm a ghost. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Rintra was the mm-hmm. time that I took you to get <laughs> smoothies. Mm-hmm. And um, Rintra does not like cars. No. Um, but he only seemed to. And this, uh, and I, I, I don't yeah. know. There's probably some science to this. But he only barked at the gas cars. Yeah. He didn't bark at the electric or hybrid cars. And I was like, wow, Rintra's so woke. I know, I know. So funny. Yeah, I'm like, I think that like when the engine isn't running, it's just like, oh, it's a big silent thing. It must be like about the noises. Definitely. Yeah. Rintra's also a delightful dog to uh, hike with. Yes. He's a great hiker. Yeah. Um, What are some things that uh, give you hope when things seem heavy or too hard? I think, I think, I think we'll end on that one. Okay. I'll use a story. Uh, and I don't think I've told on this podcast before, but I'm, I'm sure I use this story sometimes. There was a, a hurricane in eastern North Carolina, and it flooded just huge chunks of eastern North Carolina. And one of my best friends was there doing flood relief. And, you know, and the only way you could get into this storm-affected area was in small planes, right? And small planes are like the dangerous planes. But the kind of people who own small planes tend to be like libertarian guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like. And so, you know, this anarchist friend of mine who's a, you know, filthy crust punk who, you know, has a beard down to their navel or whatever, you know, and like is flying in this tiny plane with this random libertarian guy into a storm, you know, and I'm like, people come together in crisis. And when you give people the opportunity to become helpers and when you yeah. give people the opportunity to become helpers in ways that they are uniquely suited to be helpful, people rise to that. That's what gives me hope. There's a there's a lot of like not hope going around, including in my own head. But um, 
Yeah, that's what I hold on to. What about you? I think just seeing seeing how people have evolved and have um, seeing so many different people that are listening. There's a lot of people that yeah that are listening these days and and are not just staying in their and, and staying in their old old ways of thinking and are adapting and yeah. and are really moving with the movements. Yeah. And that's really fucking cool. Yeah. And I uh, I've seen that, you know, even with like, you know, senior family members and senior yeah. by age, not, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just people just paying a little bit more attention to what's misinformation and disinformation and really learning to do their own research and talk and not just talk at you, but listen. I think listening gives me hope. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, that's our, our message of hope from... I'm acting as if I'm sarcastic. I really earnestly believe in being optimistic, at least strategically, you know? Yeah, me too. So, And we will talk to you next week with a more regular episode. Yeah. Oh, do you have anything you want to plug? It's a the whole new year. I don't know, I have a bunch of projects. I have a book coming out at the end of the year. I, I, I'm going to tell you so much more about that over the course of the year, and I'm really excited too. It's a, my longest novel, and it's the first book of a trilogy. And I'm really excited about that. My my colleague and friend James Stout has been doing a lot of really amazing work. And I would just like to uh, plug that, you know, the CPD is detaining thousands upon thousands of migrants, which includes both elderly folks and children. And it's cold and they're in the desert where there's not a lot of shelter and they're desperately in need of food and water and other uh, resources as temperatures get very cold. And I just wanted to uh, plug a couple of the mutual aid groups, help bring them. Uh, the first link I'm going to give you is tinyurl slash border aid GFM. That's B-O-R-D-E-R-A-I-D-G-F-M. Or gofundme.com slash J-A-C-U-M-B-A dash M-I-G-R-A-N-T dash C-A-M-P-S. And that's that's all over several of our different shows. And I can also include in the link for this episode description. Um, but yeah, check yeah. that out. And you don't even have to fly into a hurricane in order to help those people. You can just give money to the people who desperately need your money. And like most yeah. of the time, throwing money at problems isn't the solution right now. There are people who are ready to use your money very directly to help people. Yeah. And uh, that's all I got. All right. See y'all soon. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 
16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. right. 